0: What's up, everybody? Big Sky Breakdown. Couple analysis, Big Sky Breakdowns, because we ended up going a little bit long here. So we'll have two analysis-based big sky breakdowns for you here to finish up your week. Lead it into the second round of the FCS playoffs. I'm Coulter Nuanz. As always, you can find the Big Sky Breakdown, at SkylinesportsMT.com. Number one, analysis, Big Sky Breakdown, Pod Brooks Nuanes, Skyline Sports MT co-founder, Tag Gregorak, Skyline Sports MT lead analyst each join us to talk about the fcs playoffs as they were uh, as well as uh, the upcoming matchups the big sky conference got five teams in they got four teams left montana state hosts weaver state in an all big sky second round game montana plays at north dakota state and sac state plays richmond brooks Nuñez joins us to talk cat grizz the momentum for the Cats coming out of that game, the momentum that the Grizz were able to finally re-seize in the second half against Southeastern Missouri and a preview of Weber State and MSU Round 2. And then Ty Gregorak helps us talk our way around the FCS playoffs so far from a Big Sky Conference perspective uh, with a heavy preview then on the Montana State-Weaver State football game. Thanks to all of our great sponsors here at the Big Sky Breakdown and a thanks to you for listening. SkylineSportsMT.com. Big Sky Breakdown, Brooks Duana is coming at you right now. Well, it seems like it's been forever and a day since we talked uh, to Brooks Nuanas about Big Sky Conference football. Uh, we've stayed up way past our bedtime multiple times uh, since the last time we talked, uh, but we were breaking down all the ins and outs and the matchups and the, the meanings, the symbolism. The, uh, the reverence that we have for the rivalry game between Montana and Montana State. And last week we took the week off because we had a little family time, Thanksgiving, all the good stuff. And then we went to Washington Grizzly Stadium and it looked like what happened in Bozeman, an absolute beatdown by the Bobcats of the Grizzlies, had carried over for the Grizzlies. They looked listless and with no life. Uh, the first half against Southeast Missouri State. But then all of a sudden, boom, they found it, and they looked like the Grizzlies of September for uh, a portion of the second half. Very interesting. Before we get to this last weekend's game, though, Brooks, just uh, some of your thoughts on uh, the rivalry game in uh, in Bozeman. It was uh, an afternoon like no other because uh, as, as unpredictable as these rivalry games can be, I don't know if anybody saw... Uh, the cats rushing for four hundred fifty yards and scoring fifty five points and not punting once.
1: Yeah, sorry to miss y'all last week. Um, I will say it like this, and I mean this in the, in the kindest way, as far as uh, my appreciation for all of our listeners and all of our subscribers and followers. Is if the Grizz would have missed the playoffs, I would have come on here and talked about all of that Cat Grizz meant to that to this end of the season, to the state of a program, to the state of what Montana State's been doing. But nonetheless, the Grizz make the playoffs and more or less can kind of flush that game. I think, unfortunately for them, um, for Montana State, for everyone involved, a little bit unfortunate because there was a little bit more music to face, if you will. But then the Grizz come in the playoffs at home um, and have a very similar situation where the beatdown is on and they're going to have to face the music and they don't. Um, So my Cat Grizz thoughts are as this, Colter. I thought that that the plus one run game was the obvious offensive strategy that Montana State was going to implement. I think Coach Houck said extensively for Montana. That was the issue, is that we didn't have enough to go to based off that. I'm not really sure how that's possible. (laughs) I'm not really sure how you could go into that game and think that they're not going to run the absolute shit out of the two quarterbacks at Montana State. So that was a little bit underwhelming.
0: I mean, they're two of the five leading rushers in the league. Like, that's all
1: the Cats do is run. And Tommy Malad is going to be the catalyst. Um, You know, everyone's heard me be quite critical in the first month of the season of that I was unsure of what time a lot's development as a passer had had was where it stood where it was going in Montana State unbeknownst to everyone heard me was like yeah he's a pretty good passer. we're just gonna run the absolute shit out of him which is what they should do the whole time Um, I have zero criticism of of time a lot if he is not trying to attempt 30 passes a game because I just don't think that that's his style as of now, obviously that can change. So Montana State has really found a groove with the with the two-quarterback system. I thought from the jump, Coulter, Tommy Mallott has a you know, pretty consistent drive. Six, seven plays down the field. They score. Montana comes back, fires away, scores, 7-7. Seven, seven. I'm sitting there on the sidelines feeling pretty happy about this whole day. I thought we are in for a shootout or at least a very good game. And then Montana State goes on to beat the absolute breaks off of them. 41-7 at midway through the third quarter startling totals um, as you mentioned Colton no one saw that coming um, I had the over of 43 uh, which or no 48.5 which it was sitting at 48 for a while um, again we don't bet I don't really bet many college outcomes besides overs and unders um, but Montana State had a day and Brent Vegan and company really they had a great showing they carry a lot of momentum into the playoffs um, as mentioned I think I would have had a lot more to say if the Grizz missed the playoffs but here we are, round one of the playoffs complete. Going into round two, Montana State with a buy, um, cat grizz. I think anyone who watched it knows exactly what that
0: was and what happens, and I could muse about it all day. What did you think? And this is a this is a larger debate because there's there's certainly there's certainly always going to be flaws to a system in which ten individuals sit in a room and talk amongst each other, with no one ever actually listening to what they say and and decisions being made behind closed doors, no matter how much transparency or discourse can come out of those sorts of selections, whether it's FIFA, the Olympic committee, or the FCS national championship playoff committee is going to be flaw in a system in which 10 individuals are deciding a field. There's also always going to be a flaw in which you have a 120 to 125 team subdivision in which 20 of them are, in the western half of the United States, and a 100 of them are in the eastern half of the United States. I think one of the biggest flaws in college football fandom's understanding of the logistics and details that go into college sports is that people think that the NCAA is a governing body that legislates rules. The NCAA is an organization that's primary and almost exclusive function is to administer championships. The reason they can legislate rules is their rules are to be eligible for your championship. But there is a world in which if teams weren't trying to play for an NCAA prize, they could just go against all NCAA rules. Because the, the the reason you follow the rules is to be able to play in the championships that are administered by the NCAA. Therefore, then, if the NCAA's last, or their biggest football championship is going to be the FCS, and then the goal of, one of the primary goals of said championship is to make money, then you always have to make decisions based on finance. All of that is to say that the regionality of the FCS playoffs is and has been controversial just in terms of who is going where, who's getting what home game, when you got teams bidding on it. And again, when there's just 10 people in a room making decisions, I, I get why it's flawed. All That's all to say that Montana State beat down Montana and went undefeated in the league. And I know that they didn't play Idaho and they didn't play Sac State, but they still went 10-1 and one with the one loss to a, a Power 5 team that's now ranked number 16 in the country in Oregon State. I thought the Cats got screwed. On their draw, I did. I thought the Cats deserved the three seed, and uh, I thought that they deserved to play somebody that's not one of the eight best teams in the country. In Weber State, like Holy Cross is the eight, Sanford's the six. I'm taking Weber State by two touchdowns in either of those games. I think no question, right? I mean, I bet Weber State to be a favorite over William and Mary too, is the five seed. Part, but maybe that's proximity bias. What would you think of Montana State's draw? I hated it too. I
1: don't care about the regionality of it. I mean, in a 24 team tournament bring it on like if you can't beat all the teams you don't deserve to play the natty it's all about when you play them and all that I, I to me it doesn't really matter if you're a top five team in the country i mean i don't
0: really think you should care who you're playing you're gonna win right i mean that's the whole point is as bobby halk said on monday he said well everybody that in the playoffs right now is a top 16 team we're playing everybody's we're playing is really good that's true i thought montana state
1: the reason they got screwed is because the the committee set it up so that North Dakota State and South Dakota State can play in the national championship, and that's dumb to like predetermine it to make sure they're on different sides. North Dakota State lost in league to an FCS team. South Dakota State, albeit they lost to an FCS team, like I mean, it just is what it is. They're the four seed. Like it just that's just what it should be. Montana. They wanted Montana and Sac to avoid playing to or whatever. However that looks, Montana State was the third best team. I thought Montana State. I think they're the second best team. I think it's South Dakota State, Montana State. I don't even think it's. I think it's pretty clear. Um, I think Sac State's awesome. I think if they played on a neutral field, if they played the Cats today. I think they lose, and the Cats win. We'll see. Hopefully, that can play out. You know, hopefully, we have a Sac State, Montana State, and Natty. That'd be awesome, right? But yeah, the regionality of it all. A lot of complaining about Montana State playing Weber State in their first round, which is the second round. We were coming off of a win against North Dakota. A lot of people complaining about that. I don't. That stuff doesn't bother me at all. I think it's actually better for FCS football than for Montana State to play Austin P. for Montana State to play Incarnate Word at Night in November, in December. Like, fans care, but they don't care that much. Like, you play Weber, though? That place would be rocking. Like, I like that part of it. I'm down for that. I like a good rematch. I like playing the best teams. I like familiarity. It helps in the FCS. When I take Weber as a touchdown favorite over Sanford, Colton, I wish I had more knowledge on that. I don't. I know that Weber's a real good team. I know that Weber could beat a lot of teams. I also know they can get beat. I think the best thing that's going right now in the FCS is that every single team, except South Dakota State and Montana State and Sac State, we'll give it to them. Those three teams, every other team can lose to an FCS team. Every other team has lost. So that's just the nature of it. I really like when they, there's uh parody like that. You know, I think it's obviously we love when there's powerhouse teams. We love when there's money being drawn and people are, the TV ratings are good and all that stuff works out. But you know what? I love when you get to line, line it up across the white lines and play football. Weber against Montana State. I'm actually really excited for, for that rematch because I do think that uh, of all the games I saw this year, if anyone deserves another chance at that, I think it's Weber State.
0: Big Scout Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com, presented in part by Town Pump. Appreciate Town Pump for keeping us fueled up all season long. Town Pump by the mile. They have kept us traveling across the country, whether it's going to Portland, Oregon, or Seattle, Washington, or back and forth to Bozeman, down to Ogden, Utah. We've been all over the western United States. Couldn't have done it without Town Pump, helping us keep fueled up all season Football season long. Uh, Okay, back to the Grizz. The Grizz coming off the Bobcat loss. They didn't look inspired whatsoever in the first half, but then they found a spark with Malik Flowers, and then they avalanched Southeast Missouri State, and now they're into the round of 16. they got to play Goliath. Was that moment, the four-minute stretch where they scored 21 unanswered points to take that game back over, was that indicative of things to come or just a flash in the pan where we at with the, uh, the way the Grizzlies closed out that football game? Well, you can't really play worse or more uninspired than they did in the first
1: half. I thought it was pathetic. It was really unfortunate. I thought it was... I thought coming off that cat game, someone on the sideline, the guy who's been launching teddy bears from the gas cannon for freaking 20 years, he's like, well, it looks like the Grizzlies are playing hungover again. And I think it's cute and everything, but like, I think it's like, how can't you be ready to roll that team? I mean... They should win going away. So whatever. I was impressed with SEMO. I thought they played really hard. I kept texting you, Coulter. They had several guys in that team that wanted all of it. They wanted every piece of everybody. And they had some undersized guys. They were ready to fight. Like that SEMO team was tough. Way tougher than I anticipated. We talked about it in the car on the way there. Oh, they're, they're gonna be a good team. They'll be tough. You know, they might get, you know, the Grizz might might get away from them a little bit, but like this SEMO team, they'll be tough. They were way tougher than I anticipated. But at quarterback, offensive line, Running back was impressive, good skill players on the outside. I knew all that, but defensively, you know, they didn't have huge physique. There wasn't a ton of bodies out there, but they they brought it, man. I was impressed. So give them credit, no doubt. I thought the Grizz came out uninspired, and it was, like I mentioned, pretty disappointing. Um, the second half, it was electric, man. It was some of the coolest football I've seen live. I mean, a four-minute stretch of game time, that is a short amount of football. Like that is, You're talking like teams can go between the, the 30s, you know, they scored three touchdowns. They didn't go from 30 to 30. They scored 21 points. The kick return started it off, and he felt the momentum. You get that Junior Bergen punt return later on. And, I mean, it was an absolute avalanche like I have never seen. Um, and when he crosses the goal line there, Simo's not winning that game. Uh, give credit to the Washington Grizzly fans. Montana Grizzlies uh, fan base showed out, man. The, the they They played a little bit lower music in the stadium because it's on ESPN, um, NCAA playoffs. There's like probably some rules and stipulations. It wasn't quite as much pounding music. It was so much more audible crowd noise, and it was loud as sh- it gets. So loud. Probably down what seven thousand people Coulter. They had twenty. What was the
0: the official attendance was thirteen thousand three hundred. They averaged more than twenty five thousand, so it was about half in terms of uh, butts in the seats. Two caveats there, though. One, Montana announced four consecutive sellouts. To close the end of the regular season, and you were there, there was only one of those games that was absolutely jam-packed full. So they were announcing tickets rather than butts in the seats. 2 though, I think that also you just saw that uh, there's a lot of uh, the most impassioned Grizz fans were the ones that were there because it was about as loud as a normal game. It really was.
1: On the west side, a little bit on the east side, but more on the west side, I get to see, I see people that I see all the time. I don't know their names. I see them sitting there. Those are their season tickets. They've been there for years. A ton of those people were new people. There are people that have been sitting in the top of the north end zone or whatever. They got a chance to get these, you know, row six west side tickets, and they were lubed up and ready to roll. Man, there was a whole front row towards the north end zone from about the thirty down on the west side, all brand new people, every single person I'd never seen before. So it it was the kind of the best of the best, um, and they sure showed out, man. It was it was impressive. Um, one caveat, and I'm not being a hater, okay? I, I'm certainly not, but one reason I speak to it is because I was a part of it, and I was in no way a contributor as far as the on the field in the game. But I was on that 2009 team. I played on the scout team. I went to Chattanooga. I've covered, you know, I've played on that defense. I played a bunch of covered a bunch of receivers on those teams. I've guarded Mark Mariani for freaking 13 weeks of practice every freaking day. You know, like I know a little bit about those teams. Before this season, everyone tells me this Montana Grizzly team is the best team in, in program history. It's as good as 0809. It's like well, that's false. I knew that was false from the jump. But I get the similarities between what we saw and the Grizz's 2009 win against South Dakota State. But again, it's a little bit of blasphemy. It's a little bit ridiculous to say that an undermanned SEMO team who's getting absolutely trucked on special teams is the same as Mark Mariani scoring four touchdowns by himself to single-handedly win a playoff game. They're not the same thing.
0: I totally agree. What I've been saying is I I have agreed with you that I thought it was blasphemy to compare this Grizz team to other Grizz teams. I think it's silly to compare any team to any team. I think they're independent of each other. But also I just think that Montana still has a long ways to go to get back to the level of, of mental domination that they had over the rest of the league and domination in the trenches. I mean, until Montana has the best offensive and defensive lines in the country like they had for 10 years straight in the 2000s, they're going to be a little ways away. They are. They have just as good a skill, guys, across the board. Although I don't think those guys have the reflective mentality either, right? Like, yeah, you're, I mean, you're giving me the look. It's true. I mean, Mark Mariani got drafted. Like every tight end that came through Montana's doors was going the NFL. They had like four or five straight tight end. <laughs> yeah, no, I I understand it. I get it. I, just in terms of the the, the comeback, though, um, here's where I will say the parallels good. It's not that the teams are parallel. It's that SEMO coming in and beating a team that was once the number two team in the country would have been a huge upset, regardless of the status of the Grizz season or who's hurt or anything. It would have been a huge upset. It would have been the, the ending to the most disappointing season in our 30 years living in Missoula, in my opinion. If South Dakota State, who had been Division One for four years, would have come in and beat a team that lost two games in the last four years, that would have been a, one of the biggest upsets in the history of college football. That's the one parallel is you, th- you, you dismissed the notion of uh, – one of the big, one of the great upsets in Washington Grizzly Stadium history by making sure you didn't lose that game. The difference is though that 2019 was a team of destiny, and that was the one time that they almost stubbed their toe, but they didn't. Whereas this team seems like a team that's completely altered its own destiny. I don't know what their ceiling is, and then now they have to go face you know now they got to go see the elephant. Like Jeff Choate, Montana State's head coach used to say, "We didn't know how we we're going to eat the elephant until we saw the elephant in real life. Then we saw the elephant, we realized we needed a bigger fork and knife." montana montana has not seen north coast state so uh we'll see uh last question on the grids before we go back to the bobcats um is there any is there any chance montana goes to to fargo and and gets a win and if so how i think there's 100 percent a chance um
1: if you're ever gonna beat ndsu it's now it's this weekend it's it's a team that i mean i've said it colter you always push back so hard i'm like it can't last forever they had nine guys in the portal that aren't playing in this game. NDSU nine guys and
0: man bear pig is out. Hunter Lepke, the biggest beast ever. One of our late uh, faithful listeners, great supporters calls me and he's like, who's Hunter Lepke? I was like, <laughs> I just laughed. I said, he's 6'1", 240, runs a 10-800, and he's a three-time state champion wrestler. He's also the best fullback I've ever seen at the FCS level. Uh, but Hunter Lepke is doubtful for this game. So, you know, there, there's all that. NDSU only has 13 seniors. Uh, there's a variety of factors going on there in Fargo. I think, again,
1: it's, I'm not saying that the Grizz should be favored. I, it's going to be an uphill battle, but I do think that if there's a time, it's now. Especially after you get all of this, you've been just getting you know, kicked while you're down if you're Montana. And then you have this, like, explosive change of momentum with two of your most dynamic players having, like, season-changing plays with those two returns with Junior Bergen and Malik Flowers. I mean, I think that there was enough momentum in that stadium, Colter. There was enough good juice that you can carry that a long way. I don't know how far into the playoffs, but I do think that they will play with some momentum this weekend. And one thing is true, and, you know, we can talk a lot of smack on – scheme and and talent and comparing it to 10 years ago and 15 years ago, all that's bullshit right the one thing is that i know is a hundred percent true is that montana won't be scared
0: very true the the, here's the most perplexing part about the phenomenon that is the grizz and how they win is it's tried and true now in terms of the the what the what is as i've said exhaustively and you guys can probably all repeat it now word for word you seize the momentum, you carry the momentum, you bury the opponent, okay? That, that's, that's been at least part of the identity of Bobby Hawk's teams for all of the 11 seasons he's coached at Montana. Such a big part of that is special teams. The thing that's so perplexing to me is I can't believe how many coaches, and we're talking coaches with great reputations as special teams coaches and things like that. I am just utterly shocked how many coaches – just think that they're going to be above special teams execution of Montana. Why, 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 why would you ever kick to, to Malik Flowers? Why would you ever run the same punt block protection multiple times in a row? I mean, you could, from the press box view, I wish people could have seen my, my view of the Junior Bergen touchdown. You saw Simo moved a guy on the punt shield to the left side because you could tell Montana was showing some ghost pressure. And as soon as they did that, I I looked at Andrew Hout and I said, watch this. This is Bergen touchdown up the grid sidelines. He's like, Really? I'm like, watch. Five seconds later, boom. Touchdown. Because they they Bobby Halk well, it's the one place where he's he's magic. He's he's better than anybody I've ever seen ever, period, in terms of recognizing it, seeing it. When they got it dialed up, they, they just boom, they hit it. Why do people still kick to them? That that's what's crazy. And we're not just talking like overmatched Indiana State coach or whatever. You're talking like Weaver State kicked to him. I mean, the Bobcats kicked to him. I mean, shoot, the Cats have kicked to the two best kick returns I've ever seen. Abraham Williams from Weaver State, who's got four 100-yard kickoff returns for touchdowns in one year. All-time college football record. Cats kicked to him. <laughs> Cats kicked to Malik Flowers. I don't know why these teams keep kicking to the Grizz Why would you ever kick to the Grizz I don't know, it's kicking it out of bounds. It seems so straightforward. That's what I'm saying just kick it out of bounds. You get out of the thirty five, okay, Montana's how many how many drives of sixty five yards or more does Montana's offense have this year? Like ten? Doesn't matter. You can Powers has seven hundred yard returns.
1: Kick it out at the fifty. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Um yeah, it's it I'll say it like this, Coulter. Everything you said is true. I don't have a great response besides that I think
0: not you know this. Kicking is way harder than it looks. That's what happened with Simo. I mean uh Tom Makuchewicz, the Matukowicz. I'm going to get this right, even though I'm never going to say it again. Uh, Simo's head coach. I mean, he was like sick to his stomach when I asked him about it. You could see his face. He's like, well, you know, our – Hunter is a freshman, and he just, he just didn't
1: listen. <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't listen. He didn't execute. He, he hit it wrong. It went left. He's supposed to kick it right and went left. Kicked it away from the coverage is what he said. It's harder than you think when the ball is cold. Listen to Pat McAfee talk about it on college game day. The ball is leather, and it has a bladder inside, and you have to penetrate that cold leather, make it make it flex. Then you have to actually concuss the bladder. You have to force the bladder in to make it actually pop off your foot. When it's zero degrees, man, it's real hard. So many kickers in the FCS are freshmen and sophomores, so many. Is that an excuse? By no means. But why are they kicking it to them? I think that there's a level of confidence that's high. As you mentioned, I also think it's harder than it looks.
0: Also have to thank all of our fit during football sponsors as well. I've been trying to really keep the fitness honed in, keep the mind fresh. I made a lot of health changes in my life. Gave up the the drinking, gave up the boozing, and uh, been trying to eat as healthy as possible. And so been staying on track with the help from the guys over at uh, Nutrition on Reserve here in Missoula, as I sit here in the Garden City. The uh, High protein intake—it helps you a lot. It helps curb the appetite. Helps also helps with muscle recovery. Helps you feel fresh. My mind feels great, and uh, it helps you work out a lot harder as well. So that's been a, a welcome addition for me, and also been hitting it hard at both the Hype House, uh, which is a cycling and strength studio awesome place, very welcoming environment, totally outside my comfort zone, but they have awesome spin classes, but also awesome strength classes too. So you can get your lifting in over there as well and get some high resistance type training. That's really good for building that lean muscle mass. And also got to say thanks to Hothouse Yoga. They've been great as well. Uh, helping me relax, wind down, you know, It, it but it does, it kind of juices you up a little bit too, you know, cause you, you get to sit there and be with your thoughts and stretch it out. And it's very challenging physically too. A lot of body weight strength being built as well, but you kind of just get to be, you just get to be, and you get to let, let go of things and, and really explore your own mind. And, uh, it helps you return to center. And then if you're doing it early in the day or in the middle of the day, boom, you hit it and charge hard towards the rest of the day so yeah thanks all those great sponsors for uh helping me out if you want to learn more visit all their websites nutrition on reserve hype house and the hot house yoga studio but check out all those fine sponsors if you're trying to get fit i promise you you won't regret the decision big set breakdown presented in part by nick tabor westpac wealth nick will have his latest financial tip for you coming up later this week and uh, we'll have plenty of more podcast action for you. Got several uh, original interviews for you. it lead the uh, interviews conglomeration that we will play on Friday. So look forward to that. Also have Ty Gregorak and Houghton coming up in this episode right here as well. Thanks to Nick Tabor, Westpac Wealth. They help keep your life more tax efficient. Okay, uh, Brooks, let's talk about the cats then. Uh, I've already talked extensively about this, so I won't even set it up. I'll just let you speak on it. What do you think of the rematch with Weber State? Not not necessarily in you know who got screwed or whatever. What do you think of the fact that these two teams get to play again? Because I think that the hardest-to-analyze game that we've covered this whole year was that game, 43-38, Montana State beat Weber State in Bozeman on October 22nd.
1: I'm very excited for it, there. I think that Montana State has a, a decided advantage. I don't know if it should be 7.5 points, as you mentioned, we've talked about, Seven with the hook is a lot. Um, Weber, I talked about it weeks ago. Colter was one of the most mature teams I've been around. Um, they have a bunch of adults. They have coaches that have purpose. They have players that have a strong identity, and they they know what they're going after. They know what the what the program is and what the scheme is on all three phases. I think that Bronson Barron at quarterback for Weber has been. Uh, uh, maybe overrated maybe p- properly rated I don't think he's an elite quarterback he hasn't played that great uh, I was always told all year he's one of the best deep ball throwers um, in the league he's the best deep ball thrower that Jay Hill has ever had according to Weber State head coach I think that's all false um, I just not I've watched him three four times now I'm just not that impressed with him but Weber can run the ball as you've mentioned Colter on your shows and various podcasts, if Josh Davis is really back at the capacity he played against North Dakota last week, absolute game-changer. Josh Davis is electric. I mean, he looked so good. He had so much burst. He struggled with an ankle injury, I think maybe on both ankles, but one of them has been like a destroyed, like career-ending ankle. it has been out for the better part of like a season and a half, almost two, with the, count the COVID year where it's all messed up. I mean, he hasn't played a ton of football. He looked electric. So then they have three backs that can play. They're good on defense, you know. Heckler on the outside at corners, great. I like the uh, the Reed kid at linebacker. You know, I think he's a, a borderline elite player, um, especially when he's got it going. And they're good up front. So all those things to be said. I still think that Montana State has this it factor, and the it factor is what I've said all year, and you've heard me, Coulter, that Montana State is going to do what they do. Everyone says that. Bobby Hauk at Montana says it better than you know better or rather more often than anybody. It's not about them; it's about us. Montana State offensively does that better than anyone I have covered in a long time. Recency bias. I'm not going to tell you all the years. In the last few handful of years, offensively, you can only hope to slow it down. You do not get to dictate. It's not on the defense's terms. Montana State offense is going to score. Between 28 and 31 points, at the very minimum, they might score 40, they might score 50. But they are going to score 30 points, so what can you do to answer? I think Weber, obviously, has a more dynamic offense than a lot of teams, rather not dynamic, more powerful offense than a lot of teams Montana State has played. And, which we've chronicled, Montana State has not been great on defense. They've had flashes, they have players, all that to be said. Defensive quarter, uh, defensive coordinator Willie Matt Garza out for this game, so you got to assume Bobby Daly's calling in place. I think Bobby will do great. I think he's an awesome coach. I think he's you know, a good coordinator. He knows that role. It's not a huge jump, but it's different, right? It's a little bit different. So Weber State probably has a little advantage there. But if Montana State scores 35, can Weber answer? I mean, I think we'll see. But as I mentioned, I think Montana State is playing with a lot of
0: momentum right now. They are playing with a ton of momentum. I also think so. I, let me ask you this: Weber has uh, a group that's been in and won in the playoffs. I mean, Jay Hill's gotten a playoff win every time he's been to the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Over the, I mean, he's got six playoff wins now, and uh, only one of those years was a multiple years in which they won in the playoffs. So they basically, when they go to the playoffs, they win a game or two. And uh, you know, they've been as far as the semifinals in 2019. This cat team, though, every guy on this team has been on. They've been in the playoffs. Their, their whole careers pretty much. Because the Cats made the playoffs 2018, 2019, and last year, 2021. So most of these guys that are the older contributors, they know nothing but playoffs and, and winning in the playoffs because they went to the Final Four in 19, they went to the championship game last year. How much is that of that as a factor? And, and is the fact that, uh, I guess, Tommy Mallott, he, he only has playoffs before this year to, to lean upon. So, I mean, how much do you think it is a factor just having the, the confidence of making a run before?
1: I think it plays, but I also think that there's this uh, mentality within a program that Montana State's been able to harness really well. They've been able to harness it in, in literally almost all of their athletic programs right now and as an institution. That's here nor there. I digress. Is that the bigger the game, the better you play. Montana State's football program is kind of built on that. Of course, the national championship last year against North Dakota State didn't go the way as planned. Tommy lot breaks his leg in the first quarter. I mean, pretty tough draw there. You know, what, what are you really going to do with that? I mean, not a lot, right? Like, you know, you're borderline screwed. The whole game plan's out the window. You got Tucker Rovig, a journeyman quarterback, if you will. So, I mean, you're screwed there. But the bigger the game, the better good teams play. So I think Montana State is built for this. Does two years ago's playoff experience, I mean, it does intrinsically, but I think that on the day-to-day where your feet are, when you put that jersey on on Saturday to play Weber in the second round of the FCS playoffs, you're not going to think about that. It's built into your DNA, though. So it's a part of the program, which is everything that a coach and, a, and an institution hopes for.
0: Last thing, I think it's it's crazy that everybody's talking about, okay, Weber gave the game to the Cats last time because they snapped the ball in the back of the end zone four times. It was certainly a big factor in the game. It, it affected the way that Weber – Managed and, and uh, sort of navigated the rest of that game. It's also crazy that the Cats gave up a kick a kick return and a power return for a touchdown in the span of like seven minutes. They haven't given up anything in the kick game since then. I think that was a a wake up moment for him. I mean, I think I mean that was the most mad I've seen Brent Vegan not at a ref. He gets mad at officials uh, from time to time, actually, pretty frequently within the scope of games. But that was the first time I've seen him be really mad at the players and the coaches on the sideline. The only time, really, that I've seen him like go crazy on his coaching staff, and they've fixed it since then. They've given up almost nothing in the kick return game. That said, I think that you, you got to kick away from Abraham Williams. I mean, he's as good as it gets. The guy's straight lightning in the bottle. I mean, he he might break Shahid and Malik Flowers' record easily. I mean, four four in one year is is stupid. That's a, already a big sky record, and all of them for one hundred yards. But I think that there was more what-ifs in that game than, than people give it credit for. It's not just what if Garrett Sands, Grant Sands doesn't snap the ball at the back of the end zone, not what if Weber doesn't have a kick and a punt return, what if Weber doesn't drop a whole bunch of passes. I mean, Weber hardly moved the ball at all against the Bobcat defense it's not hasn't been that great this year. And then the other part is that regardless of how many points the Cats were spotted, they ran the ball straight down Weaver's throw. I mean, Weaver's the second-best run defense in the conference – and the Cats rushed for 375 yards against them. Tommy Blount rushed for 273 himself. So uh, I, I actually think you just throw the last game out. And I, I think that for Weber, just know, like you said, they're mature, they know the plan, they know how to win. They haven't looked very good to me when I've seen them. Like When I see the Cats, I'm like, ooh, they got some weaknesses, but damn, they're really, really good. I I think the Grizz they have systematic weaknesses big time but they have great players. Uh and Sac States just so solid across the board and they have several elite guys. We were just they, just, just not quite there for me even though I do still think that they're one of the top 5 or 6 teams in the country. And I think that's a reflection on the on the FCS as a whole. That said, I don't know where where are we at with the, this this game cuz I actually think that Montana State, on one hand, I think that there's this caveat and how they beat Weber the first time. On the other hand, I think that Montana State should be even bigger favorite than they already are because I just think that they're a really, really, really good team. Yes, I agree with you 100%. I've
1: been wanting to make the point the whole time, this whole podcast, Colter, that you throw the last game out. It has nothing to do with anything. Everyone that I talk to is like oh man bet Weber's not gonna play that long snapper thing. it has nothing to do with it it just doesn't it has nothing to do with it last game the amount of yards Tommy Mallot rushed for we ain't gonna let him do that again that's it has nothing to do with anything it's a brand new game brand new season can you take from that kind of yeah I mean they're gonna have some wrinkles they'll have some you know s- schematic things that line up a little bit better with with something you know a different look but sure I think that uh, I think that I agree with you Montana State's highly talented. Um, and I really think that uh, Weber State has an uphill battle here. I just don't think that they're going to score 30 points. I think that that's kind of the benchmark.
0: Big Sky Breakdown, mt.com Thanks to all of our great sponsors, including Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. More with Ty Gregorak here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Thanks, Brooks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if there's one thing that's going to happen on Saturday, Colter, when Montana State plays Weber, it's going to be physical. And uh, when the Grizz play at North Coast State, it's going to be physical. Love physical football. It's
0: the way that it's gravitated. More with Skyline Sports lead analyst Ty Gregerich right after this. Keep it right
2: here, Big Sky Breakdown.
3: Big Sky
0: Breakdown, Ty Gregorak joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Thanks to all of our great sponsors, including Blackfoot Communications. Had a great meeting with Blackfoot yesterday. Got a bunch of fun stuff coming for you. I In 2023, really appreciate Blackfoot for all of their business development and uh, advice and everything. Uh, let Blackfoot Communications help you connect to more. Ty, let's talk about the first round of the FCS playoffs. Uh, first of all. As a guy that coached in, in the Big Sky for 15 years, what was and what is your perspective the playoff field, the way it's expanded, and some of these new auto bits? Because I mean, I, when I turn on some of these games, you see sometimes you see great games, and sometimes you're like, "Well, would St. Francis beat UC Davis or or Northern Arizona? Let alone any of the five teams in the Big Sky that made the playoffs." It just seems like there's some teams that make the playoffs that uh, aren't all that great.
4: Well, I, and you got to understand. Now, I am—I well, shouldn't say I'm old school, but I came into the playoff system when it, when you know, like the 16 teams that are playing this weekend. Right. That was it. Right. That was it. You know. So, and I got to tell you, been in both, been in both sides of it. Uh, I, I actually liked the old system. I thought 16 teams was a good number. I liked that everyone had to play that first weekend. I mean, that, that's kind of what you, you know, if you were a good program, that's what you did. You, you, you were doing Thanksgiving with the other coaches and their wives and families, and you were having a morning practice and then cutting the kids loose and saying, okay, you know, here's 24 hours, go enjoy, and, and, and then, you know, make sure you're back and. Missoula or Bozeman or you know in that case I was in Missoula uh, you know go, go for, for all you Montana boys make sure you take care of the kids that are not from Montana make sure they have a home or you know coaches would open up their homes so I don't know man I mean it's a uh, you know it's kind of like talking about the Power Five and them eventually expanding to twelve like I think twelve slash 16 is a good number yeah. when you get to when you get to 24 i think you're diluting it just a little bit now there's something to say about a team you know those top eight teams but i don't even know if it's if it's top eight anymore like if you're in the top four you should probably absolutely be rewarded right if but but eight you know and, and, and given eight teams a first round buy that are already into the second round I don't know. I, I'm I'm just kind of mixed on it. I'll I'll be honest because I I watched I tuned into a lot of games. And when I say a lot, I was watching. You know, obviously the Montana game that night. I watched Idaho. I watched Weber State and, and UND. Um, shoot, who did I catch earlier? Or, uh, maybe maybe a little bit of
0: Gardner. I think it was Gardner Webb. Yeah, Gardner Webb against Kentucky. That was a good game. Yeah, because Candace and I were like,
4: you know, we're both athletes and coaches. And we're like where the hell is Gardner-Webb? Like, we both heard of it, but we're like, where, what town is this in, you know? So, um, I don't know. But wishy-washy answer, man, I like it. I don't love it. Yeah. Now, I, I, I like it way better than what the Power 5's got going right now. I really do, just because I think, you know, how how, how excellent, especially in a year like this year, how excellent would an 8- or a 12-team, you know, playoff B Um I guess I guess I guess to sum it up, dude. If I had to if I had to give you an answer, I think twenty four kind of dilutes the field a little bit. I, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with with the old school way of you yeah. Your your 16 best teams play. That's my
0: opinion. Yeah, I mean the the biggest uh, conundrum, the biggest conflict is that on one hand, I totally appreciate putting a high priority on conference champions, and that's one of the ways that the 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 uh, field has expanded is giving more auto bids to conference champions. But on the other hand. All leagues in the FCS are not created equal and they're not even getting any closer. I mean, you have multiple leagues that get auto bids now that are not even fully funded. I mean, you're talking about teams with Division 2 level scholarships, not Division 1 level scholarship numbers. And so, you know, it's just a huge disparity. So on one hand, you know, do I really want to see the 7th place team in the Big Sky make the playoffs? That's not what I'm arguing for, but on the other hand, I do think that the 7th place team in the Big Sky would win the Northeastern Conference, would win the Patriot League, or at least be in the mix for it and so I don't know it's interesting we digress but you mentioned you, you watched the uh, the big Sky teams and uh, what did you uh, go go ahead
4: yeah, no, no I was just gonna say but, but the, that's the argument too at the next level Coulter. you know because sure you know there are teams that will both benefit and not from getting in the championship game and, and so you know that's where if you go okay whatever you deem is power five football, I think you take your conference champ if, if you're going to keep the conference championship game and and that's why and that's kind of why I always appreciated kind of the pureness of FCS football because you, you didn't have you know it's, it's kind of NCAA basketball ish a little bit that you didn't have to win your league you could be you could be a good team and make a run and that's yeah. pretty cool. But I, I just think that if and when the, the FBS does expand, I think that they need to put some legitimate weight in the conference championships because those teams are playing dang near, you know, 13 games, 14 games just to just to have a chance to make the playoff. And, you know, again, so you've got, you've got the Big Ten, you've got the SEC, the ACC, the, you know, who knows what's going to happen, Big 12, Pac-12, you know, but then you go, okay. Does does the Mountain West conference do, does, does that conference champion deserve a, a place? Does the, the you know does the uh, uh, what, what is it American the American and the right. sea, Sun Belt? I mean, probably you know, probably not. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, buddy, that, I think you and I need a lot more time than we have uh, to <laughs> For to sure. dive into that one. But I don't know. I just <laughs> I, I always remember. You know, getting to play at Colorado, like you know, your your goal is to go compete for a conference championship and a national championship. But if you missed out on one or both of those things, but you still had a good team, the bowl system was absolutely a reward sure. for four, five, twelve months of of work as a coach and a player. You got to go. You know, I remember going to the Aloha Bowl and the Holiday Bowl and the Sun Bowl, and you know, th- those are, are I never got to compete for a national championship. But we had a damn good time, and it was fun to get to go play one more game. And, you know, those those, those are a lot of memories from, from games like that. And, uh, you know, I just think that there's something about, you know, to, to going back to the FCS, the argument would be, hey, we didn't win the conference. We didn't win the. You know, we probably can't make a national championship run, but we had a good enough season that we get to keep playing and get, get to be together. As because you know, once that thing, once, once the season ends for all for all these teams, minus one, and even the one team that wins it, that team will never be the same. That team will absolutely. Can't, it just cannot. It's it's impossible. For the roster to stay the same, coaches to say the same, it's just impossible. That team to never have the same look after that last game. And so I do think bowl system, playoff system, you know, getting to extend your season and keep playing football is a great thing for for college football players and coaches.
0: Ty Gregorak here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Now you mentioned that you watched the uh, some of the Big Sky games, and I actually thought that the yes. three best games in the first round all involved Big Sky teams. I don't know what that says about the league because I do think that you know, some of those, like, Weber was just rolling, and he thought they were just going to kill North Dakota. And I was tweeting in the first half, like, man, Missouri Valley is really down if North Dakota's the third-best team. But then they come storming back. They fought hard for sure. I also thought Weber got a little tight and, uh, you know, up big. Jay Hill just didn't want to let it slip away. Uh, but then in the, the Idaho game, I mean, that was one of the craziest games of the year. Back and forth, back and forth. There was, like, two-score swings, like, four different times. And Idaho ends up losing, and then Montana I mean, you're sitting there in the third quarters th- thinking, I mean, is this the most disappointing season in, in the last 30 years of Grizz football? You're like, these guys are going to lose at home in the first round of the playoffs? After, you know, five 5-0 start, they're going to finish 7-5 and five and get their asses kicked by SEMO? <laughs> but then they, they altered it, and they, they, they surged all the way in. So your, your thoughts, do uh, your impressions on the uh, a, a yeah. crazy first round?
4: Well, let, let's start. Let's start with you know the one in in, in our backyard. Um, yeah, they where where Montana left off the week prior here in Bozeman, they yeah. kind of picked up right where right where they left off. I mean, they sure. just did not. They did not look good. I mean, I think you and I were texting each other going, "Whoa, like whoa, what 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 happened? What's going on?" And and uh, full transparency, dude, I've been all over Hill and Dale uh, the last few days. I have not caught any one of your shows but it was and I don't know if you've talked about this or not with Riley or Sean or whoever you've had on but it was very South Dakota State-esque in that nothing was going right. Nothing. Offense, defense, special teams it was just bad. And and all it took was that Mark Mariani spark and next thing you know it was a freaking boat race. You know? It, it was a I mean we, we just boat raced them out, out, out of the dang stadium there the last Quarter and a half uh, after after Mark gave us that spark there in the playoffs, and that's what it reminded me of was boy the offense couldn't do anything. You know, Lucas put the ball on the ground again, which you know basically unimpeded, just like he was in, in Bozeman. Just fumbled the ball. uh You know, tackling wasn't great. You know, big big play here and there. I, I think I texted you. I'm like, dang, this this quarterback. It looked like from what I heard, um, he'd been banged up or whatever, but he's a good-looking dude that made some throws and he stood in the pocket. And I'm, and I'm like, dang, this this is interesting. Um, but it was, in, you know, uh, again, and this is, let, do not, let's, let please, I want to talk about how, because I read the article in the Missoulian, and I still don't know how the heck the, the, this playoff committee works and how teams get... Bids and you know seeds and it, it, I I think the process might have to kind of do some self-evaluating because I think there's teams that are finally starting to get pissed you know like sure. why why is it, why did Idaho beat Montana and both are seven and four and one's got to go down to the freaking Gulf of Mexico to play <laughs> football uh, and one and one gets to enjoy Thanksgiving at home and and, and have a home game against a team from nowhere close. Um, so yeah, good job. Good job by the special team unit to uh, you know both units to get those big returns and really just kind of you know get a spark and that momentum and the crowd back into it. I know it wasn't a great turnout, but probably still led the country in, in attendance, which is what Montana's going to do on an opening weekend of the of, of the playoffs. And and um, so it was good to see him get a win, man. I mean, I'm glad for Coach Houck and all those guys that they got into the playoffs. And that they didn't score, you know, because honestly, if they would have, if they would have, you know, continued the course there with the way they were playing in the first half. And I mean, I, I, I think I texted you, do what was the score at half, Coulter? Was it like 17 to 3? 17
0: to 3, and then Simo scored on their very first possession of the second half yes. as well.
4: Well, I think I, t- I think I texted you at half. I'm like, Shit, they're, they're lucky it's not 24 to nothing or 24 three because i mean the, you know a couple of their players dropped like ball in hand ints, um you know so again anyway it was great job by them not necessarily flinching but you know getting that spark and getting the momentum and and uh you know not not running away with it at the end but i'll, I'll say this too I, I don't i don't necessarily you, you know what you know what? C, um you know what semo reminded me of was front runners they're yeah. sitting there they're sitting there they're sitting there talking to the fans they're you know you've got this you know ESPN. espn the Ocha. this is why i don't love you know espn's got all these rights to the playoff game these these announcers have no idea no idea <laughs> <laughs> any, any of these kids are half of the names are pronounced they pronounce they said the wrong defense once or twice you know it's just like come on guys figure it out you know so um, but I'll, I'll say this if they if they if they would have played the way they did in the rival game and then and then back and then got into the playoffs which a lot of people around the country not 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 just Bobcat fans a lot of people around the country are going wait what really if they would have, if they would have fumbled that away, I mean, I'm air quoting fumbled. If they, if they would have pissed down their leg and and, and, and not got the job done, there would have been people going, "What the 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 the, the system is is jacked up." Um, but they pulled it out and won, which was which was great to see. The Idaho game, wow, that was entertaining. And I got a, I got to feel. I mean, again, the the fact that they had to travel that far. But the job that Jason Eck did, I mean, I I don't know how the votes went. And I I do believe the two guys that that, uh, were uh, co-coaches of the year absolutely deserved it. You've got to put a premium on winning. And those guys won every game, uh, minus Vegans won against Oregon State, who, oh, by the way, Oregon State's really good. I mean, look look at what they've done. They're
0: 16th (laughs) in the country, I think.
4: Well, I mean, I, I, one of my buddies, there was about 25 of us on a, on a old CU buff thread, and one of them chimed in like, you know, Oregon just can't use the language, you know, in, into their helmet. And I go, or they just went on the road and lost to a good team. You know, I mean, they, Oregon State, what, lost to USC by a field goal and at Utah. By, I mean, Utah's tough, as you all know, as everyone knows. But Idaho, I, I felt bad for that kicker, just because I know he's a pretty good kicker and had a great year. I thought it was a great game. I really wanted to see him pull it out. I really did, just for for Kochak and the job he's done. Um, and then, and then I know you said the uh, Weber, you know, tried to kind of give it away there at the end. That thing, that thing was. It, they, they had control of that game from, sure. from the jump, man. I mean, it was – it was uh, I, 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 I thought UND would show a little bit better. I really did because I know they were working like hell to get a home game. And you never know if that thing's at the Alaris Center and in, in uh, Grand Forks. Maybe it's a little different ball game, But I still believe Weber State's one of the best teams in the country. I think Weber should have been a seed. So I get why they were at home and they took care of business. And, you know, two, two of the three that had to play in the first round of base and one – You know, one was, I mean, we say, we say a field goal away. Who knows what would have happened in overtime? They didn't get the job done and and lost, but congratulations to Idaho on wow. What a, what a resurgence. What a job those guys have done. And I, I I hope, especially with that, you know, that quarterback and a lot of guys that come, I hope they. Put together another, you know, run and, 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 and Idaho is one of those upper half teams in, in the big sky for a long time because I, and I said, I've said this, I feel like every week, the league is better and stronger when Idaho is, is strong and they're, they're, they're getting strong again, which I think is an awesome thing for the big sky.
0: Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, JMV Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JMV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a scotty, JV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. If you can't make it in, JNV also has a great website, JVRestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JMV, your restaurant specialist. Hey guys, Ryan Tutel here for SkylineSportsMT.com. You know, when we brought Coulter on a year ago, it was a huge boost to ESPN Radio because no one knows more about the Grizz and Cats than he does. But Coulter is a journalist first and started Skyline Sports to cover the big sky explicitly full-time with no corporate interference, just the sports teams and people you care about unfiltered. I'm in the sports media, I understand the landscape, and I can tell you, there is simply no better sports journalism done in the state of Montana than that of Skyline Sports. Improve your habits. Go to SkylineSportsMT.com. Yeah, Greg Rack here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Uh, let's talk about these uh, upcoming matchups then. Uh, first of all, how important is it for Sac State to get off the schneid? Because basically they've done everything but win in the playoffs, right? I mean, they have ran the table in the league two years in a row. I think the last time that happened was when Montana did it like 14 years ago. So, uh, you know, we're on, the, we're on the table two years in a row, winning three in a row uh, overall, 23-1 and one against the Big Sky Conference, and they're undefeated overall this year. I mean, it's been a banner year. Uh, for, yeah. for Sac State, but uh, they still have this monkey on their back, so how important yeah. is it for the Hornets to get a win?
4: I think it's huge. I think it's huge because we've talked about it. Do, 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 is there a lot of national respect for Sacramento State? No. There's not. Nor, nor is there ever going to be until they make a run. I mean, because they, you're right. You can beat up on Southern Utah and Cal Poly, and you win the, the Davis game at the end, and you know, you've beaten the who's who, no doubt. They've beaten... You know Montana State, Montana, Weber State. they beat those guys the last couple. No, no question. But if you want respect, like you keep asking for, then, yeah, you got to you got to win in the playoffs, and they just haven't done that. So I, I do think it's a huge game. Listen, if they if they lost, I still hold that staff and Troy Taylor and Andy Thompson and all those guys in a high regard. They they have done an unbelievable job, But yeah, I remember I remember at Montana when. <laughs> We have never lost to Sac State, ever in the history of the programs, and now they're they're, they're you know defending champs, and so they've done a heck of a job. But but I, yeah, I mean, I think you would probably have to agree if they want respect in, in both in this region, this side of the country, and on a national level, then they got to They got to make a run.
0: Let's talk then about uh, the game in Bozeman, which should be a great one. Uh, I think it is unfortunate that you have two of probably the top five or six, seven teams in the country playing each other. I mean, two 10-win teams, enough said, right? I mean, 10 wins going into the second round of the playoffs. Those two teams shouldn't be playing each other likely, especially if they're coming out of the best league in the country. But they are. And uh, what an opportunity for Jay Hill's boys because I know that, uh, you know, I mean, it could have been Weaver State as the four seed if they don't have just a crazy calamity of errors when they were in Bozeman last time. But also, I think that there's undertold parts of that last game in Bozeman as well. Not only was there the four snaps out of the back of the end zone, but the Cats also gave up a punt and a kick for a touchdown in the same quarter. I mean, I've never seen that before. And the Cats did it twice this year against Oregon State and against. Uh, Weaver State, but then there's, you know, blocked field goal and an interception that was almost returned for a touchdown and just, you know, so many different uh, weird deals. The fumble on the punt right before halftime that basically gifted Montana State more points right before uh, the break when Weaver fumbled that thing. I mean, it was so many crazy things that uh, you don't, don't normally see. So, I mean, how much are you buying into Redemption for Weber in this one, but also how much uh, do the Cats just have it rolling? I mean, I, I think the Cats are just rolling so hard right now, they're going to be a hard team to beat at home. Yeah,
4: it's, I, I, think, I think you and I would both agree, most of us that were in the stadium on that cold, windy, crappy Bozeman day, it was one of the, it was one of the craziest, most bizarre, strange, weird, awesome, nuts game any of us had ever seen. I mean, truly. I don't care what level you're talking. Just the the, I mean, the the amount the the lack of points and yards that the cats had there in the first quarter, getting just worked in every facet of the game, and then and then end the up kind of rolling of them, and then Weber State's offense kind of figures that out, and they get a little momentum. I gotta believe Weber's going. We really jacked that one up. We 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 screwed that one up, and we screwed up a a you know potential conference championship run a, a high c we screwed it up so i know that the Hill will have them ready um i know that every bobcat fan in the stands knows grant sands is you know probably his middle name by now uh and and will be absolutely nothing but relentless and brutal to that poor kid when he comes into the stadium um but like you're saying uh you know that, and that that's where you know we're gonna have to to go into the psychological, you know, next week and go okay did did the buy help or did it hurt, you know, because there's there are argu- arguments both ways and that's you know kind of going back to what i was saying about you know the way things were in the old olden days with sixteen teams you just played you played man you, you hey we 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 beat the rival and now we get to keep keep going you know so if you're hot you get to hopefully stay hot if you're banged up you you know you hopefully get a, a little bit of time to heal up a little bit and, and enjoy couple you know a couple of days off and some thanksgiving food but i i don't know i mean I, obviously you know with with coach willie's situation that 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 one one could say that's a distraction you know um there was a distraction last year too when, when, when brent vegan benched his starting quarterback away with the freshman out of butte so you know i think vegan's mo is is You know that next man up mentality, and and we're not going to flinch, and that won't be beat mentality. So, I look for the Bobcats to to, to kind of keep rolling a little bit. I think they they they're they're in a very humble way. This is just my opinion. They're they're uh, they're very humble about what they what they've done and did this year, and not not real cocky about it. You know, they're. I mean, I, I texted you as soon as I saw the all league stuff come out. Not one. Not one offensive lineman made the first. Was it the first three teams did Justice Perkins get I, honorable mention? I think Dustin
0: Perkins team. got an honorable mention. Uh, I think yeah. uh, Rush Reimer, I think, was a, a second team guy, yeah. and uh, J.T. Reed was in there somewhere as well. But yeah, no, no guys on the first team for sure. Yeah,
4: I, I didn't. I, I didn't even remember Rush getting second team, but I, I absolutely believe you. But you know, if Marcus Weir stays healthy the entire season, is he, is he an all league candidate? Probably. Probably. yeah. But 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 what a but what a testament to what these guys have done they've got a half a dozen or more you know backs quarterbacks receivers that have all (laughs) run and run at a high high clip when they when they've been in the backfield um you know you've got a defense that has struggled at times but has also played really well at times you know i i think that last game you know maybe the last i don't know we'll call it now the two the two previous opponents weren't great, and one could talk about the passing game in Flagstaff, but you know that last game was was probably one of the more complete games the defense had played, which is good going you know going into this time of year and against your rival, and obviously going into the playoffs. I thought the defense played really pretty well. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, I don't know. I mean, I just think I think that you're at home. You've had some time to heal up. You know, there's a good chance that Isaiah Fonse is back who's and you know, I, I think he's I think he's the best to ever come to this program, if if not the second best, however you wanna, you know, view that and, and, and a couple of the other cats that have played tailback here, but I think he's I think he's flat special, and he's he should be healthy. So, if the defense can continue to do what, you know, and, and buddy, the defense played well against Weber State up until you know up until you know that last quarter where they actually kind of put some drives together. Weber's O couldn't do much against Montana State's D. I mean, again, 14 points came off a freaking a kick return, a punt return. There was a blocked field goal and eight points off of high snaps, you know. So the defense did a good job. Um, you know, the question is, offensively, can they put up another 350 like they did? I, kind of the way I to- talked last week about holding Montana's defense in a little higher regard than the way they performed against the Cats, I really thought Weber's defense was better. So I just don't know if it was a. It was just one of those games. Again, the weather was crappy, but I mean they... they, they Montana State did what they've done all year to every team, to every team except Oregon State and that's just inside, outside zone, read zone and and Weaver couldn't stop it. So I'm expecting kind of the same out of the Cats. I think we'll probably see a little more Sean Chambers. Just uh, you know, you could tell he's you know, that that contusion or whatever he had in his leg there, it took him some time to get back. They kind of played him sparingly against against the uh, against the Grizz. Um I would I, I would think just in terms of taking some of those shots off of Tommy that that you'll see some more Sean in the game, but we'll see. Um and then like I said, you know, I, have you heard anything about Lane Sumner? Is anything, he's out he for done, the season or,
0: he's or, out for the season. Yeah, Vegan yeah, yeah, said that on Monday. Uh, the,
4: yeah that's right and i, and I remember that now that you that. so obviously getting isaiah back i think elijah elliott's really stepped up i really do i think the kid has kind of grown into you know owning his role and knows his role and, and obviously the coon kid you know has been productive when he's in there and then you know we see marquee johnson um just because he's he's been dynamic when he's gotten those touches so yeah man i mean it's just it's just a matter of to me for both teams you know, but, but you, we talked about it weeks ago, a month ago, whatever it's been now. You're talking about two great teams that really didn't play very good against each other. Totally. So that's, that's, that's either, you know, just two good teams that, you know, those errors are, are what truly decided the, the, the outcome, which it did. But I, I just got to believe it'll be a lot cleaner, better football game. And it was a great game. It was a great game. I'm just saying, in terms of a, as a football guy, you just want to you want to see uh, you know you want to you want to see it clean. Now we're in this December, and these are two of the top 16s in the program. It's just got to be a cleaner contest than it was, you know, back in October.
0: Ty Gregorac, big Greg, step breakdown. Thanks for being here, man, and uh, we'll catch up with you on Saturday. But uh, appreciate it, and uh, we'll be talking next week, no matter what. But either way, thanks for being here today.
4: There's a lot of things that make Montana great
0: Do you want your sports news, commentary, and features from a corporate publication? Would you like to hear it from local experts who have lived in your community their entire lives? At Skyline Sports, Coulter and Brooks Nuanas bring more than two decades of experience to give you old school journalism with a new age presentation at SkylinesportsMT.com. The Nuanas Brothers provide knowledge from a family who lives big sky conference athletics every day. For eight dollars a month or ninety bucks a year. Get access to comprehensive college grizz and bobcat coverage at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every Every day, every season.